Do you wonder if others are dealing with the same project management challenges as you? Not sure where to turn for guidance and leadership? Office Hours are in session as we discuss project management and PMOs with global leaders, hearing their story and learning their secrets to success. Our goal is to empower you and help you elevate your PMO and project management career to new heights. Welcome back to Project Management Office Hours with your host, PMO Joe. Welcome, everyone, to Project Management Office Hours. We're the number one live project management radio show in the United States, broadcasting to you today from the Phoenix Business Radio X studios in Tempe, Arizona. I'm your host, PMO Joe, and for the next hour or so, we're going to be talking project management and related activities with our special guest today. Before we jump into the show, certainly want to encourage everybody to uh, drop a comment out there. Let us know where you're joining from. And of course, during the show, if you have any questions for our guests, please do so and drop them into the comment section. I'd also like to uh, comment on the shows, prior shows we've had, the past couple ones, I've mentioned the PMO Leader Global Conference that we had going off, and that happened on October 18th. Uh, was a huge success. I think we tried something new in our industry as a global conference. We followed the sun. We started in Australia, and then we were live for 18 hours consecutive, bringing new content from folks as the as the earth rotated. We brought on more live people moving westward. So it was over 30 sessions, 40 speakers, and a lot of fun. All of those sessions were recorded, and we'll have those available for you out on the PMO Leader website shortly, uh, as well as the presentations that all the speakers have. And of course, membership to that community is free. So you'll be able to go out and uh, capture those sessions if you miss them. Also, today is International Project Management Day. So fitting that we're having a project management radio show today. Earlier this morning in the States, it was also the PMO Global Alliance annual awards announcements were made. And uh, for the third year in a row, I came up short on the PMO Influencer Award, but still an amazing acknowledgement to make it to the finals. So very humbled to be included in the great group of other finalists that were out there. And one of our guests who we'll meet here in a second was also a finalist uh, in the award. So a good coincidence again to be International Project Management Day and the day of the PMO Global Awards. So I strongly encourage everybody to go out to the PMO Global Alliance, uh, check out the Wall of Fame, which lists the winners each year in all the different categories. Uh, special salute to the winner of PMO of the Year, uh, which I believe this year was in South Africa, if I'm remembering correctly. And then the individual awards as well, and, and some of the PMO fellows for honoring careers in, in our industry. It's a great job the PMO GA does every year top-notch presentation that was out there. And, and thanks to Americo Pinto and all the volunteers uh, that put in so much work to make that happen. See, we've got someone joining us from West Virginia. Welcome, Chris. Nice to have you here. Also, a reminder to everybody who's out there uh, trying to get your PDUs to extend your certifications out there. Each of these shows can really be a self-reported PDU for you. You know, the shows go for an hour. This is show number 113. So we've got you covered for a lot of PDUs. Go back out to the library, take them all in. And I think you'll hear from some amazing leaders in our industry over the past five years and their experiences and insights to help you advance your career. Uh, it's not just a PDU grab. It's, it's really a, a walk through the history of our industry with some of the folks we've had on 
and the experiences that they've had. So strongly encourage everyone to go forward and listen to those past shows as well. We are live on internet radio, as I mentioned, but we're also on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube right now broadcasting live. We're very excited to have our special guests with us today. Chris Brague, Tony Antonios, and Mickey Nakamura are joining us. And I'd like to give you guys a moment to say hello and introduce yourself to the audience. Uh, Chris, we'll start with you. Yes, yeah, certainly. I'd like to uh, you know, uh, welcome all the uh, visitors. I'm the uh, head of program and project planning at Regeneron, and we're a biotechnology company headquartered in Terrytown, New York, uh, about 30 miles north of uh, New York City. Thanks, uh, Chris. And, and uh, you're a past finalist, I believe, as well, right? For I am. Uh, 2021, uh, I was the regional, uh, or I, I made it, uh, I guess, regional finalist top 16 in the world as a PMO leader. So uh, Mickey, Mickey's following up this year, uh, you know, on top of that award. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, speaking of Mickey, we'll, uh, we'll go to Mickey next. Uh, you can take a moment, Mickey, just to say hello, introduce yourself as well. Sure. Hard steps to follow, Chris. And, and so. <laughs> It's an honor for me to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Mickey Nakamura, and uh, I work in the national healthcare company. With regards to working in healthcare, I'm excited to um, have this conversation about healthcare and leadership and PMOs in general. So thank you for having me. Yeah, pleasure's all ours. Thank you, Mickey. And, and our other guest, Tony, joining us from Australia. So this has got to be some ungodly hour for you to be joining us. Thank you for... Looking as spry as you do this early for you. Uh, this is usually the time I go for a workout before I start work um, at 5 a.m. But no, really pleased to be here and thank you for the invitation to participate in this conversation. So my name is Tony and I work for a large healthcare provider here in Australia that operates across hospitals, aged care, virtual care, which is a service we stood up in the midst of the COVID pandemic and a range of other activities. So similar to Mickey and everyone on this, just excited to have the conversation. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us. And as it sounds, you, everybody is in healthcare and that's why we're here. I do have some experience in this as well. I ran a healthcare PMO at Wellstar Health System, largest healthcare provider in the state of Georgia for a few years. So I'm not in the group that you're all going to talk about here shortly, but I, I think I might be able to provide some context as well for my own experiences. So eager to jump into it. We've talked about healthcare, we've talked about PMO Global Alliance, and there's a marriage of those two things, and that's why you guys are here today. Chris, do you want to give us a, just an intro as to the group that's been formed within PMOGA and, and what you guys are up to? Yes, yeah, certainly. So um, PMOGA, um, I guess, was formed, uh, I think, in 2017, I believe, uh, and, and the founder is uh, Americo uh, Pinto. And um, our group, specifically, uh, Tony... Mickey and myself are members of a uh, strategic board that is focused on the healthcare industry. And as leaders, what we're attempting to do is to provide learning and education to other people that work in that area. Uh, some of the activities we've done so far this year, we got, um, I think we got formed in uh, February of this year. So it hasn't even been a full year yet. But we've uh, put together a couple of podcasts. We've written uh, two white papers. Um, I believe we're doing a project in Africa. And we're looking to do other things really to disseminate knowledge out there to all the people that work in this particular uh, industry. 
Fantastic. And, you know, how, how'd you get into healthcare, right? I mean, there's obviously so many different industries we can get into, but I, again, going back to my own experience, I wasn't in uh, healthcare as a long career. And when I started in that industry, I found it to be very unique from all of the other industries I had worked in. So it's, it takes kind of more of a mindset, right? A, a personality type to be in healthcare because it's, you're providing for patients. It's not just trying to create widgets and make money, right? It's care that you're providing. So what was your impetus, Chris, for jumping into that industry? Yeah, certainly. So um, I, I guess I would begin with maybe, you know, why I got into project management, and then uh, I, I can kind of uh, segue in, into the, uh, the healthcare uh, area. So in, in terms of project management, really, I, I started my career in software engineering. And one of the things that I discovered at that time was that all the software projects that I worked on, I guess I would characterize them as being a chaotic, right? And so I, I figured I, I could probably do a better job managing the projects. Uh, at that time, there really wasn't a, uh, a true project management profession, and uh, you know, as it is uh, today currently. And, and so what I ended up doing was going back to uh, graduate school, getting a couple of uh, uh, master's degrees, and then really starting in focused on project management. From there, I got really good at uh, delivering projects and, and moved to programs and from programs, then got into consulting, uh, helping organizations uh, establish PMOs. Uh, one of the uh, positions I had was uh, basically a PMO director for a very large hospital, which was really my first uh, foray into the healthcare sector. And really for the last decade, I've been working in the biotech uh, pharma space uh, for a number of different companies there and really helping them achieve their strategy through the su successful delivery of portfolios, programs, and projects. Very nice. And, and Tony, how about you? Uh, uh, you mentioned the COVID experience uh, as well, but we're were you in healthcare pre-COVID or was that the drive to get into healthcare? It wasn't the drive to get into healthcare and I'd spent the last decade working in telecommunications. So not too dissimilar from what Chris mentioned, I started off in telecommunications more in a strategy space. And like most organizations, it's great to come up with the strategy, but if you can't execute on it and you can't actually deliver what you're trying to achieve, both in that short and long-term horizon, there's almost no point. And so <laughs> I sort of went from being in the team that thought about what we should do, what we could do to let's actually try to do the things that we're, you know, sort of putting out there. So that's sort of how I got into project management. But after about yeah, about a decade um, sort of in that industry, I thought it was time for a change. Most of, I've got a lot of family members and friends that work in healthcare in a variety of roles. And so I thought I wanted to, I guess, be involved and try something different. And to your point, Joe, it's very much a mindset change. Caring for patients, that person-centered care being at the forefront, I guess that the forefront of what we do um, was a very different shift to, I guess, your traditional, uh, you know, let's grow market share, let's grow revenue, look at cost efficiencies, um, et cetera. So it's been a very interesting journey. And particularly in the midst of COVID, Australia had quite significant, I guess, restrictions, lockdown rules, et cetera. And that varied from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. So launching, I guess, from a PMO perspective, working in launching a service into the market to support care needs during that time was a very, I guess, in the deep end, straight away, see how you're going to go type of experience from a PMO and healthcare perspective for me. 
Yeah, I remember my first performance review after I started working in the healthcare system. On my performance review, it included a line about uh, ensuring that you wash your hands. Were you consistently washing your hands? And I was thinking, what in the world does a PMO director need to worry about washing his hands? But then, you that know, is that both. Yeah, you spend a lot of time in hospitals. That's why you wash your hands, right? And But it just changed my mind. And to your point, it was a mindset shift, right? Mm-hmm. And another thing you had said, Tony, is about the strategy component, right? One of my uh, favorite quotes of all time by Morris Chang is, strategy without execution is useless. Execution without strategy is aimless. Right. And what we do in the PMO world is bring those two together and deliver on strategy. That's project management, right? On International Project Management Day, that's project management. That's all you need to know. Uh, Mickey, how about you? How how did you get into healthcare and and what's been some of the things that you've uh, picked up over time? So I'm kind of a hybrid of uh, Chris and Tony in many ways in terms of their background. So I actually started off in telecommunications also. I used to work on analog cell phones, Tony. <laughs> so uh, you know, back, back in the uh, day when the cell phones were like called bricks, right? And so um, now, of course, they're all digital and you know, they're smartphones. But, uh, and then from there, I got into IT and working in IT, working with networks, working with data and cloud and software. It, it was interesting for me in my career journey because similar to Tony and Chris, I had a knack for bringing people together. I had a knack for producing and translating strategy into outcomes and, and results. And it was really interesting in my career in the sense that I had I had been working with government and public service organizations. And you know, I was exposed to um, public health. And this is back when there was something called the bird flu and swine, you know, flu. And it was before COVID. I've been inspired to join organizations where there's like a mission towards helping people and communities. And I think in healthcare, that's what really attracted me to healthcare. And then I, I stood up a EPMO in a hospital and, and a clinical um, type of healthcare system. And the thing for me that um, really brought it all together, and, and I think uh, our conversation will, will get there, is that it is different than making widgets, like you were saying, Joe. It's different than producing a product because here in healthcare, it's all about the patient-centered experience, about how you can provide services around that. And you're working with other caregivers like doctors and nurses and and, um, all the folks that provide support towards a patient-centered experience. And so there are differences between the way we run um, programs and projects and portfolios and uh, I think there's going to be some more discussion on that, but that's that's kind of my background. That's how I got into healthcare, and I'm currently working um, on a specific niche in healthcare, uh, serving senior citizens, which is the largest growing demographic for us in the U.S. Yeah. Um, so there's my uh, my little story, and and I I love what I'm hearing from my colleagues because I, I I could partake in a little bit of each of them. Thank you. Yeah, and I I remember back to uh, just to, again to help people put some context around this healthcare versus corporate project management, how it's different. One of our projects was improving the Wi-Fi within the hospital system. And we were inserting uh, additional repeaters, Wi-Fi repeaters throughout the hospital. And on one of the floors, the only place that we could fit it per the, per the infrastructure partner we were using was in the ceiling of an operating room. 
So during off hours, we went into the operating room, put in the, the Wi-Fi repeater, and then left. However, the infrastructure partner we used forgot to clean up the operating room afterwards. And when the doctors and nurses went in to get the room ready for their surgery that they had scheduled in the morning, they couldn't have the surgery. And that surgery mm -hmm. was an open heart surgery for a heart patient. And they had to reschedule that. And of course, that was affecting lives, right? Mm -hmm. In a corporate building, putting a Wi-Fi repeater into a corner, you can do it during the middle of the day. And you always say, I wonder what that guy on the ladder is doing over in the corner, right? Healthcare is just a different breed of project. <laughs> it's impacting lives, right? And, and we have to understand those sorts of things. Your example resonates, I think, with all of us. Um, you know, all of us, it seems like we all have an IT or technical background, but I remind our IT partners that in healthcare, the impact of what they do is magnified because at the end of that IT service is a potential patient that you can adversely impact, as opposed to making a mistake on some other type of industry where maybe you can go back and correct the dimensions of whatever product you have. In healthcare, there's not, it's not a product, it's a person, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really good point that you brought up, Joe. Yeah. Well, all right, so we, we've got the connection to healthcare. Tony, tell, tell us a little bit of how you got connected in with PMO Global Alliance. And then ultimately after that, we'll end up connecting one to the other and why you guys are here, right? But how did, what was the draw to PMO GA and what's, what's your feedback and thoughts on that organization? Yeah, absolutely. So... This is going back for me to 2019, roughly around February, March timeframe, where I met a person by the name of Amira, who runs a business here called PMO Solutions, who introduced me to PMO Global Alliance, but more importantly, asked me to come and do, I guess, a keynote presentation at a PMO conference here in Sydney with her to a few hundred people. At that time, I was running more of a professional services consulting style PMO. So effectively, in the telecommunications organization I was in, we worked with a lot of the large enterprise corporate and government clients. So we had over 3,000 clients that we supported, running 1,500, so circa 1,500 projects concurrently. And my role was to ensure we could deliver on time to budget, manage the client expectation, and effectively transform their IT operating environments. So I went and did this. Uh, I guess, keynote presentation with Amira. And through that presentation, she introduced me to Amerigo um, at the time who said, it would be great to have you review our PMO value ring methodology and provide some insights or some input into what you think about this method from you know, establishing PMOs and ensuring they add value. And having read that methodology and looked at PMO Global Alliance as an organization and looking at its mission, so very similar healthcare, a lot of the people moving into it are driven by mission. For me, it was the same with PMO Global Alliance. The mission the organization has trying to, I guess, empower, educate across the world, run a lot of these projects uh, to develop key expertise, I would say, globally, really attracted me to the organization. And to be a part of that was an opportunity I wanted to pursue. For me, STEM started from 2019 uh, through to now. And when I eventually made, I guess, the switch into the healthcare industry in 2021, Amerigo reached out to me and, and sort of started discussing uh, our strategic healthcare group and his thoughts around that. And it was sort of over the course of a couple of months of discussion that the group was formed and I was able to meet Nikki, Chris and our other colleagues as a part of that group. 
So for me, it was the it's very much the mission focus um, and the ability to give back, but also just to learn from industry experts and leaders across the globe about what are we doing in healthcare? How do we, as PMO leaders and professionals, continue to create value for the patient? And in many instances, the most vulnerable at that point in time, who are sort of trusting our physicians, clinicians, third parties, contractors to provide the best care possible. So that example absolutely resonated, Joe, about you know trying to fix the Wi-Fi fitting in, in the theatre room. The only thing I'd add is if you miss that opportunity, trying to reschedule something is near impossible because the, the trade-off is always providing care to somebody. There isn't this, oh, we can do it after hours at 5 p.m. What if there's an emergency in the hospital? It adds a different layer of thinking about get it right first time. Yeah. Let me put you on the spot, Tony. What's Amira's last name? Pinto? I can't no. I can't actually remember now. No, not Amira. That's actually a good question. No, Amira, Amira Mazahari. Oh, 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 Amira, sorry. I misheard <laughs> I, I misheard what you said. And, and yes, I only I can't know pronounce that. her last name. She's, I struggle. Uh, <laughs> she's been a guest on the show as well. I mean, it's a small world that we travel in, right? So she's... Uh, and I think she just uh, took on the role of president of the PMOGA right. Australia Hub. So Amira has an amazing story and certainly encourage everyone to go listen to that show as she shared her family's experiences in the Iran-Iraq war growing up and how uh, she ended up in Australia. It, it's the humanity of project management, right? We're all people first. And she has an incredible backstory that I think we all could learn from uh, the different trials and tribulations that we all go through as we advance in our lives and our careers. Uh, Chris, same, same over to you from your, how did you get into PMOGA and, you know, what was yeah, the draw? So, <laughs> yes. Uh, thanks, Joe. So similar to Tony, uh, back to uh, 2019, I think it was Americo uh, Pinto who reached out to me and asked if I would be willing to be a judge and, you know, I, I asked him, uh, you know, what does the judge do? And uh, he explained about the award ceremony. And so uh, I've, I've represented the United States for the past four years, uh, going through the competition and evaluating each of the different levels as you kind of go through, uh, you know, uh, the, the matrix of uh, uh, company A versus company B and uh, evaluating them uh, as part of the evaluation pro process. You identify the strengths of the PMOs, the opportunities for improvement, and then uh, you basically have to uh, provide a recommendation as to which PMO you think is uh, better. And you're not the only judge that is evaluating those two uh, PMO organizations. There's other judges from other uh, uh, countries. And as a result, all of those votes are kind of tallied together, and the, uh, the, the, the winner advances the one who has the, uh, the most uh, uh, votes from the uh, judges. So that's really how the, the competition un unfolds. And we saw the result of that earlier today, uh, you know, w w when the uh, PMO Global Awards was held, uh, not only for the uh, best PMO in the world, but all the, the four or five other uh, uh, competitions that, that were held at the same time. Yeah, fantastic. And all right, so now let's bring healthcare, passion for all, PMOGA, appreciation and membership for all. How does it come together that you all form a group? And then also not the, the entire group couldn't make it today, right? So who are the other members of that group as well? We want to make sure we acknowledge the work they're doing. Yeah, certainly. So it, it is a, a team of nine people, a CSG is from the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. 
she is kind of the, the chair for the uh, the group. Uh, Mickey, I believe, is vice chair. Uh, and then uh, all the others are uh, members of the board. We have Michael O'Connor, Dean as well. I'm trying to think of Dean's last name. <laughs> I don't have his last name off my head, but you're yeah, right. Yeah, I'll have to look that up. And then we have from Ireland, uh, Jackie uh, Glenn. Let's see, that's three or four right there, us three. We have an individual from Brazil. Um, she, she hasn't really participated, so I, I can't comment if she's still involved with us or not. Um, I, I think that pretty much uh, rounds out the team. Is that, that right, Mickey or Tony? Yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. And then one of the things that we're encouraging is that um, this is a new team. This is a new group. And so we do have a lot of plans to increase um, our exposure and also increase interest. And I think there's a couple of new members that will be joining us, but that's that's kind of the core founding group along with, you know, of course the folks here on the line with us, but you're right, you're, you're spot on. Yeah, so what's the charter, right? For, for folks listening in who are in the healthcare profession and, and obviously they're involved in PMOs and project management, you know, PMO Global Alliance got it. Healthcare got it. What's the connection? What do, so what? There's a strategic group. Right? What's the what's the so what to all this? If I can start on that, and, and please chime in, uh, Chris and Tony. But um, the the idea behind this, and and part of that charter, is really to form that community and that professional, um, both a professional community as well as a grassroots community for sharing ideas with healthcare, sharing ideas in terms of leadership and also change. And this quite this became quite um, relevant, if not magnified during the COVID pandemic that we all had to go through. The catalyst for change in healthcare was accelerated and maximized, right? Um, all of us have gone through it. Healthcare became not only the tip of change, but it became required, right? With all of the fast developments with supporting the community and the public, our families with healthcare. And so I think the timing was right to have a community of uh, leaders, uh, my fellow colleagues and others, to talk about sharing what things we've done, what lessons we've learned, and also sharing some, you know, we, we termed it in some of our uh, studies and, and white papers, these new ways of working. And the new ways of working were formerly innovations five years ago, but when COVID hit, these innovations became accelerated and then they became reality. But um, I really defer to my colleagues to add on to that. That was that was my take on some of the charter that we have for our team. I'll expand on that. Dean Miller, uh, so uh, his last name, and one other member I forgot to mention is Trevor Nelson. So I believe we have... Uh, Five people from the U.S., one from Ireland, one from the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, Tony here from uh, Australia, and Juliana Pan from uh, Brazil. So that really makes up the board. And to uh, elaborate on what uh, Mickey had indicated, yeah, the, the goal is really to disseminate and share information specifically about how PMOs can do, you know, bring improvements and, and add value within the healthcare sector. Um, and, and we're doing that kind of through white papers, uh, working on projects, um, podcasts, wh whatever uh, means we can kind of communicate the message out there to people who may be interested or working in the healthcare and certainly want, want to, uh, to get involved. In addition to the white paper on new ways of working, uh, our other uh, white paper was on uh, integrated uh, business planning. So that, that was really a little bit more focused on portfolio management 
and some of the activities related to that and how organizations can do a better job of planning, which in turn would provide uh, more value uh, to the stakeholders. One thing I'd add on to that, Chris, just to add on to what both you and Mickey have said is, particularly in healthcare organisations here within Australia, the vast majority don't have PMOs and those that do tend to be PMOs from people who have only worked in healthcare. The sort of that specific deep expertise in one industry. So a group like this coming in where all of us are in healthcare, but many of us have worked in other industries and are working globally, the ability to bring those perspective and insights to effectively help them on that journey, help them through change. COVID was a great accelerator of a lot of things telecommunications was doing 20 years ago. So in the healthcare industry, it wasn't that it was new, say, to the PMO team that I had formed. It was new to the entire organization, these hybrid ways of working, all these new tools or new practices we expected people to sort of adopt and work with. So for me, the benefit of this group is being able to take experience, expertise, thoughts in the form of be it white papers, podcasts, other sort of artifacts and just just discussions like these and others that we have as a group and feed those insights back not only to my own organization but broader colleagues and peers within I guess the industry as well. I think it's fantastic and and, you know you mentioned PMOs and healthcare maybe not as prevalent as other industries. Questions open for anyone. Why do you think that's the case? What's the what's missing? What's why is the connection not there? So I might offer a quick thought on that and then open to my colleagues if that's okay. When I think about, and I'll focus specifically on the Australian context, although it may be far broader, the, 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 the focus is on providing care first and foremost. So the investment in resources, time, effort and thinking is about how to provide the best care possible, how to attract, entice the best clinicians, the best nurses, staff, how to have facilities that can meet those care needs across the continuum of care from the time somebody is born through to ensuring their ageing well in their later years of life. From that focus, what I've observed is a stronger focus on operational needs as opposed to necessarily projects and planning and more strategic needs outside of infrastructure, strategy and development, given the need to build, expand hospitals, other facilities, um, sort of, et cetera. So it's not to say, as I think from that lens, especially in not-for-profit organisations in Australia, there are many who provide healthcare services outside of the public um, sort of system. There's always that contention between do you invest dollars and time in staff to provide care versus sort of these what may be appear to be internal sort of back back of office type roles that aren't visible to the public, aren't necessarily visible to the person receiving care or providing care. I think that thinking is somewhat, it has shifted significantly, but there is still a way to go, at least here. How about other guys? What's your thoughts on that as well? So, Tony, uh, if I may add, um, Mm. I'm seeing similar trends here in multiple organizations, including the current one that I'm in. I'll just give a, a quick background on the current one that I'm in. There was always an IT PMO here, but IT, to one of your points, was primarily focused on technology, rightly so. But in healthcare, you have to make that connection to the clinical service lines, to the to the physicians, to the caregivers. And so when I was brought in, my mandate here was to elevate the IT PMO to uh, enterprise and what enterprise means, uh, at least in my organization, is adding capabilities that are not so much project management, 
but they're more along the lines of organizational change, culture change, people change, um, adoption. And, you know, you do that through other types of avenues. You know, in fact, there's whole, you know, just like PMI has PMP, there's entire organizations and, and certifications and training around organizational change. Having organizational change as a part of your PMO um, and also having a focus on operational excellence, right? Not everything is a project, not everything is a program. In fact, a lot of the things here in healthcare are continuous improvement, right? Using different types of frameworks for orchestration, for coordinating. And, you know, it, it's really true servant leadership is what I'm finding in the organizations I'm in in healthcare, including the one I'm in now. But um, that's just piggybacking off of what you just said. But, but Chris, I'd love to hear about yours too, your, your yeah, thoughts. Yeah, certainly. So I, I wanted to comment on, on what you were uh, talking about, Mickey. I'm, I'm seeing a, a big trend uh, across a lot of different organizations with the disciplines of project management and change management where they're going to be integrated together, right? So for all the listeners out there, project management really focuses on the processes and activities that are needed to complete a project, whereas change management focuses on the people side of how they are affected by the delivery of the product or service that is generated from the project, right? So because projects can have a significant and lasting impact on the business and the stakeholders, project and change management are really now working more hand-in-hand to ensure a a long-term success, right? And, And so I think in the future, what we're going to see is really a blending of these two disciplines where um, it's not going to be project management and change management, but it's really going to be combined together in in terms of delivering value to the organization. What I found interesting was my my boss back at Wellstar, we were an IT PMO, but the CIO was an emergency room physician. So everything we did in IT was in 30 second increments because it was, that was triage and go, right? triage and go. Uh, and project management is in six month plus increments, right? So there was always this friction between us of just go do it. And it's like, well, it's sorry, John, it doesn't just happen that way, right? But what it instilled into the PMO was patient care. And what we were doing wasn't, again, producing the widget. It was how can we do a project to improve how we treat our patients or the care that we provide to patients' support systems or families and, and others. And what we quickly found out is, listen, the IT PMO in a healthcare system doesn't cut it because if you're building a new practice or a new hospital or a new wing to a hospital, it's a construction project that requires IT to provide patient care. So now you're not an IT PMO, you're really an enterprise PMO, as, as Mickey was saying. So healthcare is a unique bird and and it's good to, to see that there's an organization within the Global Alliance right now that's talking to it, right? Bringing awareness to it and, and putting out these white papers. Yeah, Joe, and I, th- I think this will actually be the first of probably several uh, industries that um, PMOGA is going to look into and, and establish boards for. I may be uh, not talking, I guess, if that is actually going to happen or not, but I would imagine that's something that Americo and, and the other leaders of PMOGA are looking at to uh, to capitalize on, not just to have this single uh, you know healthcare board, but really to expand it across other industries as well in the in the future. Just to add on to that, I think this is where my recommendation is: you don't have to wait for these trends to occur. 
right? I mean, you can do it now, right? If, if whatever influence, whether you have a formal PMO or not, having organizational change, having a, a life cycle approach where you combine and embed different types of disciplines, that's really key, right? Especially in healthcare. And it's not just in healthcare. I mean, change adoption is valid for any type of industry, right? Maybe in different degrees, but it's not just healthcare. Yeah, I, I gave a, a talk yesterday to a <clears throat> private company and invited me to come do a project talk for them. And I talked about making pizza. Uh, and how you can use the process of making pizza in restaurants or at home and relate it to project management, right? And take a lighthearted approach to this to get people to think outside the box of you put in an order, you expect it to be done in a certain amount of time. It's supposed to have the same ingredients. It's supposed to come in with the cost that you expected it to be. Like all of the different factors that we use in project management exist in other industries, but we in project management start using our terms that other people don't understand. You're so right. how can we mm -hmm. speak their language to help them come into our world? And we, uh, we then serve that role as translator, right? To be able to talk their language. So the change I, management uh, you're talking about, Mickey, for me is always, how do we help the organization change their way by using our tools and experience, but not our language, right? And I think that's one of the evolutions we're going through as an industry with the new PMBOK that had come out, right? The latest version of that going away from the process groups and towards the principles. Uh, you know, uh, what do you guys see with that? Yeah. Non-jargon is key. Uh, when I'm talking to physicians, I, I speak in plain English and um, your pizza example resonates with me because I tried it on my wife's shoes in her garage. <laughs> I, tried lean, I tried to do a lean initiative, but you know, when it, when it comes to your family, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work, yeah. yeah. But Tony, what do you see in, in Australia that are the trends within project management? So similar to uh, Chris and Mickey, um, my function very much is an enterprise portfolio management office or an EPMO. And part of that is also change management coming into the function. There used to be a change manager for an organization with, at the time, 7,000 people that spent their time writing process documents. Mm. That's what change was considered, this process that you have to follow. Whereas now, and it's not just the organization I'm in, but a lot of other organizations um, within the industry, that recognition, that change management, change management is so essential and is part and parcel, not just of projects, but of organizational change and organizational culture. So that shift and the blending of the roles is something I'm absolutely seeing. I tend to look at it as craft skills. You as a person that is, I'm going to call a problem solver, build up these skill sets, be it in project management, program management, uh, strategy, change management, adoption principles, and you use them to help solve a lot of those challenges, clinicians, the organization, care staff and others have across the different services and different sectors of the organization. I think also a trend here is very much the adoption of portfolio management, not just project management. So the, the recognition, I guess, and understanding that with so many competing needs, priorities, a lot of continuous improvement activities, projects, programs, long-term initiatives, there is that need for, I guess, macro level coordination, but also understanding of the outcomes you're looking to drive. So for a lot of the initiatives, 
what when we think about a business case as an example, it's not just the financial returns. It's what is the patient outcome or the patient experience? What is the resident outcome or experience? In the virtual care setting is how are we supplementing the health system more broadly speaking in Australia and what does that look like and how do we engage with our peers? So it leads me to another trend, which is far more collaboration and partnerships. I tend to think of it, we're operating within a partnership ecosystem. That thinking is only broadening further and further within the Australian market. So this recognition, you can't have strong capability in every single domain within your organisation. And in some instances, it's far better to partner with others who can bring in that expertise and collectively you can create greater value for the community. So that's probably the other big trend happening here, that stronger focus on partnerships and relationships with other organisations, um, be it within the same health industry or adjacent um, industries as well, um, to really achieve, I guess, great outcomes. So there's some of the trends that I'm starting to see within the industry here. Yeah, Chris, how about uh, you here in the States? What are you seeing over here on this side of the ocean? Three trends. The first one is remote working becomes permanent for some percentage of employees. Uh, trend number two is really the demand for project managers is going to increase really over the next decade. And trend number three is that project managers are going to need a much uh, broader skill set in, uh, in the future. So let me uh, kind of take the first one in terms of remote working. And I think, uh, you know, this is kind of a result of what occurred, at, uh, you know, from the global pandemic where you now have uh, some, some portion of the people are still working on site. You have other people that are 100% virtual. And then you have those people kind of in the middle where they're going to be working in a hybrid mode and being in the office maybe two or three days a week compared to what they used to be, which was five days a week. So that's really the, the first trend. On the second trend it is really around uh, the demand for project managers increasing. And I think uh, we, we saw this, at least most of us, I believe, uh, maybe have read the uh, Project Management uh, Report, Institute report that came out last year in 2021. And what they indicated is that the global economy is going to need 25 million new project professionals by the year 2030. To close the gap, that means 2.3 million people are going to need to be filling project management roles every year just to keep up with demand. And PMI actually identified three reasons for this gap. The first one is that there is an increase in the number of jobs requiring uh, project management-oriented roles. The second is that there's a higher demand for project professionals in emerging and developing countries due to the economic growth in those uh, uh, areas. And the third is the rate of retirement of the workforce. So with those three, that's really contributing to this demand that they're seeing uh, based on the research that was done. And the third trend is really around project managers needing a, a broader skill set in the future. From a technical perspective, uh, projects such as anything to do with artificial intelligence and automation are really happening uh, today. So technologies such as robotics, blockchain, data science, machine learning. These are things that project managers are going to need to have a basic understanding, some knowledge in those particular areas. On the other um, end of the spectrum, because of the projects, especially in healthcare, um, are becoming more complex and interconnected, projects are, uh, project managers are going to need to collaborate more with a broader group of stakeholders than what they're uh, doing today. And as a result, soft skills are going to become very important. So skills such as leadership, 
influencing, motivation, communication, uh, conflict management, interpersonal skills, negotiation, problem solving, team building, critical thinking, decision uh, making. These are some of the soft skills that the project managers are going to need to develop. So it used to be that project managers could master the triple constraint, scope, time, and cost. That's no longer going to be enough for the project manager of the future. They're going to need to have that basic understanding on the technical projects that they're managing, as well as the, uh, the, the ability to implement some of the soft skills that I mentioned. Yeah, I've been following along that ties into to your comment about the demand. You know, it's gone up and down. If you go out to Indeed.com and just search project manager anywhere in the United States, there's about 100,000 open positions. <laughs> and some months it goes up to about 120,000. Right now, I think it's around 98,000. But it's around 100,000 positions. So here's my, I'm with you on the trend is we need more PMs. <laughs> but I think we're searching in the wrong spot. We're what, search- what's your suggestion? I, I think I think the people exist already, and we call them accidental project managers. Yes, yeah. <laughs> right? We, right. What we need to do is upskill the people that are in the workforce running yeah. the smaller projects. We're not going to put them on the big enterprise SAP yeah. installation, right? Yeah. But it, just like Six Sigma did, and made a, a world full of green belts and yellow belts. I think that's kind of where where the end. We'll never meet the demand if we try to get twenty five million more project managers. It's just not going to happen. But yeah. Yeah, one person's opinion. Mickey, (laughs) what's your thoughts on uh, trends that you're seeing as well? What you said and and Chris said, um, it it hits home. Um, I'm also serving on um, the for the PMI chapter board in San Diego at a more local grassroots level. Many of our members are accidental project managers. Many of our new members, um, in fact, one of my key leaders, and she's become a leader all within the past year because she's new to project management. She was a person that did home health, right? Nothing to do with projects. She was taking care. She was a caregiver, but she had the skills there for project management. She had the skills for emotional IQ. She had the skills for influencing and, um, in fact, what she shared with me, and it's not just her, it's, it's her colleagues as well, is she never thought project management would be a career for her, mm-hmm. right? But now that she's exposed to project management, I mean, I would argue that her real life skills are going to be more valuable than getting a certification, yeah. right? Great for her to get a certification to fill in, you know, this is the way a textbook is and this is the way best practices are. But she has something called real world, real life experience. And that real life experience and the skills that she has around that, those are the skills that you're mentioning, Chris, right? These soft skills, these skills that are not replaced by AI, right? Remember a few years back when they said project management is going to go downhill because of AI? Well, that hasn't happened. And the reason for that is no one can really, no one, not yet at least, can replace the leadership skills of a person. Right, at least not yet. So what you two are saying really resonates, I think, with what I'm seeing as well. And AI doesn't have the data because we we all use we all say we use these fancy PPM systems, but in reality we're using Excel spreadsheets. So <laughs> so no one's been able to figure out how to get the AI to work on this stuff yet. Tony, you're gonna you're gonna jump in with something. Uh, I was going to say the key to solving a lot of that challenge, it's accessibility to the content. It's, you know, to our earlier discussion, taking the 
whilst we understand the jargons in the industry within the best practices, these bodies of knowledge and frameworks, for those accidental PMs, it's almost that is one of the barriers to entering the profession. It all seems a little bit too hard. It's about, and what I like about sort of Six Sigma, Lean, and just many other sort of practices is, from my perspective, it's far more accessible to somebody who's not been in that sort of profession before than trying to understand, I guess, project management from a body of knowledge sort of perspective. So I think that's where there's some opportunity to build in those skills. Yeah, and this, uh, I'll do a shameless plug here for the PMO leader community. We've got the website listed there. PMO Global Alliance, I'm a member of that, and it, it does a fantastic job. And then the PMO leader community started up about a year and a half ago because one of the gaps, I, we, we're not trying to push certifications or awards, or it's where does the community just come together and share and exchange and learn from one another? Or if I provide training, where can I go deliver that training to my industry and not have to go out to just a training site and hope somebody finds it? So creating the PMO leader community, to your points about education and bringing people together, is that's what we've tried to do out there and strongly encourage everyone to, to go out there and visit the PMO leader community, become a member if, it, if it's a fit for you. And one of the things that we just un- announced at our global conference a couple of weeks ago is a new tool that we think is going to be really important for our industry called PMOpedia. And think Wikipedia, but for PMOs. And most of what we do doesn't exist out in Wikipedia. So where do you go find it if you're an accidental project manager? You're not looking for a certification. You're not looking for a Prince2 or PMP or a CAPM. Where, where do you just go find stuff? So we're working on an open source system to be able to have people contribute into it, just like as you would with Wikipedia, to build this amazing search engine of project management and PMO-related tools for everybody. So that's, I'll get off my uh, soapbox on PMO leader for a moment, bring us back together. <laughs> we, we only have about 10 minutes or so left. So one one other trend that I've, I'll, I'll throw it out to you guys, this wasn't something we had talked about previously, so maybe give you a moment to think about it as I'm saying, is PMO Global Alliance is formed, House of PMO is formed in the UK, PMO Leader is formed globally, and all of them are being formed because there isn't a PMI version of it, right? Project managers have PMI or APMO, right? There's there's different organizations, IAPM and and others, right, throughout the, the world. Why don't we have that spot for PMOs like we do for PMs? What's missing there? And, and again, that's not a knock on any of them. I belong to all of them, right? I'm a member of every one of them out there because I'm I'm trying to fill the gap that I don't see the industry has given us the one, right? That we need to leverage. What's what's your guys' thoughts on that? Joe, if I if I may share, back in 2014, I was uh, uh, fortunate enough to be a member of what PMI had that focused on leadership and PMO leadership. And uh, if you recall, there used to be an annual symposium by PMI focused on PMO, focused on the leadership aspects, not so much the practitioner. Serving on those those committees, we had Houston, we had San Diego, we had Denver, we had Miami. That was a niche that there were high aspirations for that to continue. But I don't know the reasoning for that, but that that group stopped, especially as COVID um, came into play. And you're right. I think there is a gap where there's room for the leadership aspect of project, program, portfolio, change management, 
And uh, so I'm glad you brought it up. Um, I, I'm hopeful that because of the interests that you've demonstrated in your groups, as well as PMO Global Alliance, uh, I'm hopeful that, you know, we're all becoming together. And I think we are doing that. We're starting to do that. But that's just some context. I think there is a gap there, like you mentioned. I'll tease something. I can't announce it, but I'll tease <laughs> something, right? Uh, Laura Bernard and Americo Pinto and Leo Torres and Eileen Rodan and Lindsay Scott and myself are working on something together that individually we're all doing great, right? But there's something more that we think is out there. So we're working on something that maybe a few months or early next year we'll come out with an announcement on and I think it'd be good for the industry. So we'll tease that and we'll say, hey, stay tuned, everybody. <laughs> okay, thank uh, you. Uh, and let us can help. <laughs> well, it's, I think it'll be the world will be able to help with this one, right? So we'll, we'll see. But we're, we're about five minutes out, and I want to give you guys one last opportunity to, for anything that we haven't mentioned today or talked about today. You can certainly jump in with that, or how can people get in touch with you if they want to follow up after the show? And Tony, we'll start with you. So one thing I'll probably briefly touch on is one of the, I guess, the papers we as a group wrote initially about, you know, hybrid or new ways of working um, in the COVID pandemic, um, those hybrid ways of working, they're very much here to stay. So adapting to, I guess, the hybrid mode and thinking about how to upskill yourself, your teams, your colleagues in the industry to be effective in this new I guess, way that is now the default um, in many instances is going to be incredibly critical. So if you haven't read that paper, I highly recommend doing so, but also just thinking more broadly about what others in other industries are doing um, around that topic. So that's probably the one thing I'd just add. And I'm assuming we can find the white paper out on the PMOGA yes. website? Absolutely. So if you go to that website, um, you should be able you should be able to find the paper there. In terms of contacting us, be it through the PMOGA community, be it at least me through LinkedIn, if there's ever a desire or want to chat or talk um, to myself or any of my peers, we're all quite open to having those discussions. Thank you so much, Tony, for joining. I know it's uh, early for <laughs> you out there. And, and also, <laughs> this is the reality. We, we live in a global <clears throat> industry and we're all part of global organizations. So I think it's important to be able to bring a global perspective to the show. So thank you so much for joining us. No and, problem. Thank you, Joe. And Chris, how about yourself? Anything else that we didn't touch on or how can folks get in touch with you? Yeah, so I'll follow up uh, with uh, what Tony mentioned with uh, our first white paper on uh, new ways of working. Uh, one of the things that I think is a, a challenge, uh, especially for those people is leading virtual teams, right? They, they were kind of thrust into that role as a result of the pandemic and some are still continuing to, uh, to lead a virtual team. Uh, some of the challenges we mentioned in the, in the white paper are dealing with uh, some communication challenges, uh, language barriers, cultural differences. There may be uh, different time zones, right? Core team bonding because you don't have, you're not working side by side, you're not co-located with those other individuals, and just the uh, the lack of personal connection and social interaction. So those are some of the the themes we kind of bring out in the uh, in the uh, paper. Uh, in terms of uh, any of the uh, listeners, if they're interested in uh, contacting me, probably the best way is just through uh, LinkedIn. You can find me uh, out there, uh, Chris Fry. So thanks for having me on the show, Joe. Yeah, my pleasure. And then uh, Mickey, uh, bringing us in. What uh, what other items are do we not cover? You think we should hit on? And how can folks get in touch with you? First of all, thank you for having us, Joe, and and having me and and my colleagues here. 
to us as normal because we're in healthcare, but this is a great opportunity to share uh, with others. And we look forward to hearing from others that can share with us as well. I would just add, um, we do, if you go on PMO Global Alliance and type in healthcare board, uh, we actually have our own specific uh, site that has all of our names. It also has the different projects that we're working on currently, as well as future projects. And uh, if folks are interested in joining us, because we are looking to grow our team, that's how you can get in touch with us and see what we're doing. Also, LinkedIn, for me personally, I am on LinkedIn, and feel free to just look me up, um, Mickey Nakamura, and just don't type in mouse, and you'll be okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Joe, for having us. No, my pleasure. Uh, Thank you all for joining us. I'm a, a strong advocate, supporter of PMO Global Alliance. I'm a member. PMO Global Alliance. I'm a judge in the judging committees uh, and fortunate enough to have been nominated over the past few years for my work uh, in the industry as well. So I encourage everyone to go to PMO Global Alliance, check it out, see if it's a fit for you. There are many, many ways for you to be a contributor and participate in that organization uh, and the work that everyone's doing. Also want to say thank you to our listeners, right? Because without listeners, we don't have a show. Uh, And it's important to, to recognize and thank you for tuning in with us every other week uh, to keep us going. We are in November, so we just have a few more shows left this year. And one of them is, again, I don't have it locked up yet. I've been chasing a show for three plus years. I think it's been, it's my dream show and it may be my final show, but I think I've got that one locked up. So if you know me, you know who it is. And if you don't know me, reach out. I'll tell you who it is. <laughs> I don't want to jinx it. I've got a meeting on Monday to finalize it. So hopefully that'll be it. We are live, as, as we said, uh, but a reminder, these shows are recorded and we release them as a podcast. So please go out to your favorite podcast platform, whether it be uh, Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker, whatever it may be. Subscribe to the show. And I think you'll enjoy the, the content that we've produced over the past five years. Also, a special thank to our sponsors, the PMO Squad and the PMO Leader, uh, both leaders in their industry and making a difference in our communities as well. That's it for now. Office hours are closed. Until next time, I'm PMO Joe, and you've been listening to Project Management Office Hours. Thanks for listening to another episode of Project Management Office Hours with PMO Joe. You're not alone in your project management journey. We're here to help you achieve your goals. Subscribe to Project Management Office Hours on your favorite podcast platform to catch all of our episodes and hear industry leaders share their story and secrets to success.